Good evening. It is good to be together on a Sunday evening to worship God, the best worship service of the week. If you're a guest, we're thankful that you're here. It encourages us. We want to be an encouragement to you. Please take your Bible. We won't have slides tonight, but we will study from God's Word. We'll begin and look much out of Galatians, the sixth chapter tonight. Galatians, the sixth chapter. If you want to borrow a Bible in the pew there, it'll be on 1,036, and uh, we will spend quite a bit of time there tonight as we continue our series of Responsibly Yours. The idea of that title is we want to belong to God and we want to be responsible in all the areas of responsibility that God gives us. In other words, Christians ought to be the most responsible people on earth because our faith requires it of us. Our God expects it of us. This year we're talking about great expectations. When someone lives an irresponsible life, it is impossible for them at the same time to claim and prove that they are faithful Christians. The two cannot go hand in hand. And so all Christians ought to be able to say to God, I am responsibly yours. We'll get into that in just a few moments. Philip has already mentioned, uh, we are glad to have you guys back. It's just not the same when you're away. And uh, we are thankful that you were able to go. Evangelism University is one of the best events that is taking place in the brotherhood. And Philip has been not only on that board, but the chairman of that board for quite some time. And uh, what a blessing it is to the brotherhood. Also, Evangelism University 2 that he mentioned for the college students. John Michael was there this weekend uh, as that was getting kicked off, and he was a big and a successful part of that, and we're thankful for the work that he uh, does here, but there also in, in that work. God blesses us richly with a lot of opportunities. Let's humbly go about serving in those, and let's give God all the credit for it. We love our young people. Uh, as Philip said that a while ago about they just always behave themselves. I worked around youth for a lot of years. I never thought I would work around youth that are able consistently to carry out what he just described. It is amazing no matter what size the group is and no matter where they go, you can just count on them doing the right thing. And what a blessing that is. And we want you to know we don't take that for granted and you're definitely a vital part of who we are as a congregation. We love and appreciate you and it's your faithfulness that causes you to be that way and keep serving God. I'm basically irresponsible, and I'd just like for you to know that. When's the last time somebody walked up to you and told you that? When's the last time all of you employers, when's the last time that one of your employees just walked up and that's how they, they just walked up to you and said, hey, I, I just want you to know I am basically irresponsible. I, I'd just like for you to know that. When's the last time your spouse walked up to you and just said, I am, I'm, I'm irresponsible. I just think you ought to know. When's the last time your children walked up and just said, irresponsible, want you to know. When's the last time your parents walked up and said, I'm irresponsible, just want you to know. Isn't it interesting that you rarely run across someone that loves to claim irresponsibility, but yet all around us is a world of people that regularly practice irresponsibility. Who are we going to be? The Lord teaches us we're not to be like the world. You see, it is through our Christian faith that we understand God has established some principles in the very beginning. And not only should we be responsible, but we ought to even be able to understand 
the importance of responsibility far better than people out in the world because we understand God. We understand the consistent nature of God. And responsibility is built around consistency. And tonight, we're going to look at that principle. Before we dive into that, let me just quickly mention, it was interesting to me how many of you Love the point two weeks ago when, when we talked about that irresponsibility is not an island to itself. And if you are irresponsible, you're saying to someone else, I want you to be responsible for me. You remember I gave you the illustration of the guy that, that brought his children. And, and for example, if they left a towel on the floor, he would make them come and they weren't allowed to pick up the towel at that point in time. But they had to ask him, Dad, will you please put my towel up for me? And of course, he was doing that to try to teach them responsibility. And yet that's a good message for even us as adults. Do we realize that any time we are acting or portraying, whether it's an action or a life of actions of irresponsibility, what we're saying to someone else is we are saying, I want you to be responsible for my irresponsibility. Anytime a member of a family is irresponsible, somebody else has to become responsible for the chaos they create. Now, I'm not, and, and, and maybe I shouldn't say they're, they're not totally responsible, but more burden is going to fall upon them. Anytime many in a community are irresponsible, others in the community will bear some of that burden because of their irresponsibility. Anytime in a church family, you ever heard the 80-20 rule? Now, sometimes that's leadership's fault because leadership keeps going back to the same people. And so I, I think that happens very often. But what about that 80-20 rule where 80% where of the work is done by 20% of the people? That shouldn't be true in God's family, should it? Because in God's family, according to several passages, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians, the fourth chapter, everyone is required by God to do their part. Listen, if you're not working in the Lord's kingdom, you literally just go ahead and turn to somebody to your left and right and say, by, by the way, I want you to know I'm irresponsible. Basically, I am. And I just want you to know I have no problem with you doing my work in the Lord's kingdom. Because if you're not serving the Lord's kingdom, you haven't said it out loud probably, but your actions have said it and others have had to pitch in and others have had to carry your load. Listen, it is impossible to be irresponsible and not place a heavier burden upon other people. That's just the way it works. Now, please do not confuse that. You remember we studied two weeks ago, Galatians, the sixth chapter and verse one and two. In the sixth chapter, verse one and two, we learn that part of our responsibility that God gives us is to help bear one another's burdens. And so, you know, the idea that we need to help each other, absolutely, we need to do that. But wouldn't it be wonderful if our help toward one another is not because someone's irresponsible, it's just because we can share a burden with each other. But then as we read a little bit further, we got down to verse five, and he said, for each one shall bear his own load. There are some burdens or loads or responsibilities that cannot be shared. We've been talking for several weeks now about salvation. You remember our Lord said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Save yourselves from this crooked and perverse generation. Those are words from God himself. In other words, he's saying... There are things that no one else can bear that burden for you. You have to decide what you're going to believe. 
You have to decide what you're going to practice. And so we make the plea and we strive to encourage, choose God. But ultimately, it is your decision, your burden, but perhaps a good way to say it is this. It's your responsibility. If you're irresponsible with your soul, it's a burden that you'll carry for an eternity. If you're responsible with your soul, it is a blessing that you will enjoy for an eternity. So where does all this principle, because everything I've been talking, if, if you're not familiar with responsibility, and I know you are, but listen, let me say it this way. If you're not familiar with responsibility, you think, wow, he's kind of being like black and white dogmatic, like it's fact. Is responsibility really that way? Because we live in a world where people shrug responsibility so much and, and when you, you, you try to kind of pinpoint it down, people dodge it so much as if you can live a life doing that and come out okay. Is it really that black and white? Sure. There are some fixed principles that God has put in place since the very beginning. You can count on them every time. Actually practice this, see, see how much skill this takes. I wanna show you a principle that God, God created in the very beginning. Isn't that amazing? To see if that worked, I, I did that about a thousand times in a row. You know what happened every time? There was only one time when I turned loose off and it went up. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Because you know it's not true. You see, I could stand there if time would permit and health would permit and opportunity would permit. I could stand there and do that a billion times. I could do that a trillion times. And you know what happened every time? Every time the law of gravity that God created in the very beginning would pull that highlighter to the floor. Every time. You see, as Christians, we understand our Creator and we understand how consistent His principles are. There is a principle that he made in the very beginning that it also is that consistent. And when it is carried out consistently, it's not because God is mean. It's not because God dislikes you. It's because it is a principle that God created in the very beginning. Now, you may have not followed that, so let me illustrate that real quickly. I know you understand it and believe it, but let me, so that we're all on the same page here. You see, dropping a highlighter has very little consequence. But you fall off of a ledge, and you have severe injury or even a fatality. Was that because God's mad at you? No, it's just a law that he created in the very beginning. The same law that pulls the highlighter to the floor will pull a human body from high heights down to earth very quickly. You see, it's not that the law of gravity is good or bad per se. It just is. The beautiful thing is we can leverage those laws and use them to benefit. Or we could ignore them, pretend like they don't exist, and they begin to hurt us. That's true with the law of gravity. It's also true with another law. And because we're in Galatians 6, a lot of you already know what it is, don't you? Look at verse 7. 
This is another law from the very beginning. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he might, doesn't say that, does it? That he will also reap. So what is the law that was created in the beginning and it never fails? Just like the law of gravity, every time. What is the law? Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Now let's think about the idea of a man. In other words, the idea here is very general to say it doesn't matter who you are. Listen, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you're young or old. It doesn't matter if you know this law or you don't know this law. It doesn't matter if you respect this law or disrespect this law. You get the idea. It doesn't matter who you are. This law will be true in your life every time. A man, whatever he sows, that shall he also reap. How do we know that this law goes back to the beginning? Well, we always see it every time. But you know what's interesting is first we see it the most clearly in the physical creation. And then we begin to understand that its consistency isn't just physical, that its consistency is also spiritual. Hold your finger here. We'll come back here, but, but jump over to the very beginning of the Bible. Go to the first page of the Bible for you. Genesis, the first chapter. You know this, but I just want us to read this with our own eyes. Look, look at Genesis, the first chapter. And let's go down to day three. And we begin reading that in verse 9. For time's sake, I want us to just jump right into verse 11. And, and I, I want you to see if you, you see this law here in verse 11. God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass. The herb yields seed according to its kind. And the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Now, when I do one-on-one -on -one Bible studies, a lot of time I use this illustration and I've just gone ahead and now I tell people straight up, I tell them, I said, look, I'm going to give you an illustration that I get really excited about and I have not yet met one person that's ever got excited about this illustration. I, I, so I just tell them straight up. But to me, it is pretty awesome how consistent God is. And I, said, I want you to imagine that Adam and Eve went over the first time they ate watermelon. And the first time they ate watermelon, my guess is the Garden of Eden, it must have been one of the sweetest, best watermelons there ever been. And so what's their natural thought? Their natural thought is, I want some more of this. Well, how do you get more watermelon? You have to plant a watermelon seed to get more watermelon. And so they said, you know what? God said he created these seeds to produce after its kind. Now, since they were new to the earth, maybe they didn't get there at first. Maybe they thought, I wonder if we plant some of these kernels of corn if we could grow a watermelon. I wonder, I wonder if we, we plant this acorn. I wonder, I wonder if we plant that. Could we, get, could we get watermelon? No, you know the answer to that. They finally, I don't know if they figured it out immediately or in time, but I can assure you this. They figured out if we want watermelon, we're going to have to plant watermelon seed. 
And when we want corn, we're going to have to plant corn. And when we want beans, we'll have to plant beans. If we want an oak, we'll have to plant an acorn. Why? Why? Why is it like that? Because from the very beginning, God said, whatever you sow, that you also reap, except he didn't use those words. He said, I'm going to produce the seed so that when it does produce, it always produces after its kind. It's a physical truth, and we see the spiritual application of it. Now, this is the part that I think is pretty exciting. And like I said, I've yet to see anybody get excited about this. But it, it amazes me to think how many billions and billions of watermelon seeds have been planted since the Garden of Eden. Just try to imagine how many. How many seeds, how many watermelon seeds have been planted since the Garden of Eden? You know what? Every one of them has grown. No exception. Well, except for that one. No, no exception. Every one of them has grown a watermelon. Every kernel of corn that's ever been planted, if it has grown, has produced corn. Every time. We could go on and on illustrating, but you have the point there. God has given some laws in the very beginning that they are, period. They exist, period. They are consistency with never one exception. And now he uses that same kind of language of sowing and reaping. That's seed language. That's agriculture language. That's biology type language. And he uses that language to say, let me teach you something about your life. Let me teach you what is that consistent. Whatever thing that you sow, just know that you're going to reap the same kind of what you have sown in the past. You don't like the way things are going for you at work right now? And still looking around and blaming everybody else, maybe you ought to stop and ask yourself, what have I been planning the last few months and the last few years at work? Because right now, what you're reaping is a harvest of what you've planted in the past. You're having trouble with some friendships. Instead of blaming all the friends, maybe you ought to stop and say, what have I done to these friendships over the last few months and the last few years? Because what you are reaping right now is a result of what you've planted. I'm not saying every problem's your fault. But I am saying you and I are foolish if we always look at every problem and blame everybody else. You see, that's the whole purpose of this series. I want to be responsible. Surely you want to be responsible. Well, one of the big areas of responsibility is taking responsibility when things aren't so well. When things aren't going well, instead of immediately blaming everybody else, I need to stop and say, what kind of seeds have I been putting in the ground? If my personal finances are in a wreck, I need to stop and say, what kind of financial seeds have I been putting in the ground over the past few weeks, the past few months? Because you know what? The harvest I'm receiving today is directly tied to the past. It can't be any different. It has to be. You want a different harvest next year? Plant different seeds this week, next week, this month, next month, and give them time to grow. And then you can have a different harvest. You can't harvest something different when you're planting the same seeds over and over. Whatever a man 
It's a general term. Whatever a man, anybody sows, they're going to reap with the same kind. But I'd like for us to think briefly of that word reap. That word reap is the idea of harvest. What we learn about harvest, and we made mention of it this morning, what we learn about harvest is that harvest always comes later and greater. Later than when you sow, and greater than what you sow. Let's think about this idea of greater. I mentioned to you a week ago that you could plant an acorn and it could grow a massive oak tree in time. And as it grows towards its maturity, in masting years, it can easily produce 10,000 acorns. You plant one acorn, do you expect to get back a tree that only produces one acorn? No. I honestly don't know what one averages over time. I know the peak year is 10,000. I don't know the years it's not masking. So I'm just pulling a number out, okay? Don't hold me to this. But let's say that it averages 5,000 acorns a year. It could easily produce them for 50 years. One acorn is planted. The harvest over time is a quarter of a million acorns. Let that sink in. The harvest is always greater. And usually over time, the harvest is much, much greater. Is that positive or negative? It depends which seed you put in the ground, right? If you put negative seeds in the ground, and then what, what you must have later on is a lot of negativity in your life. And someone says, well, that's not fair. It is. You have to know that if you plant a little bit of negativity, later you're going to have a lot. And someone says, but, but it's not fair. I only did a little. No, you planted a little. You have to get a lot. That's the way harvest works. You know, think about the, think about the guy that doesn't put a lot of thought into it and grabs a pistol out of his car and, and he walks into a convenience store and it only takes him a matter of, of five minutes to rob the place and he's on his way. And you say, well, well, how did that turn out for him? Well, five minutes of a crime? Punished? Would it be five years? Ten years in jail? Someone says, that's not fair. I, I did a five-minute crime and, and I get five years in jail? Yeah. It's real fair. It's called sowing and reaping. You go out and do negative things. And then where we as parents make mistakes is we try to rescue you. And we go down to a principal's office and say, well, what they did wasn't bad enough for that. You're, you're overreacting. No, as a parent, you're overreacting. It's called sowing and reaping. A child does something wrong this much in school, the punishment's going to be greater. Why? Do I need to drop another pen? It's going to be that way. And if it's not greater this time, just give it time. It will be greater. And you can go through your life banging your head against the wall, but you're going to bang your head against the wall and you're going to claim that society's unfair and you're going to claim that all the principals are against me and you're going to claim that all the bosses are against me and you're going to claim that there's no good friends on this earth and you're going to claim there's no good congregations on this earth and you're going to keep on and on. Why? Because I'm not responsible for anything. Or you could say, wow, I'm learning something. 
I need to be very, very careful what seeds I put in the ground. Because a little bit of negative always reaps a large harvest. But isn't it beautiful that the opposite's true? I mean, the opposite of negative. What about if we plant positive? Isn't it wonderful that we can go about and we can plant good? And we plant good and we plant good and, and then there's a harvest in our life where there's a lot of good that comes. It's sowing and reaping. And it's later and greater. But let's think about that later for just a moment. You know, when, when we think about the later, and I mentioned this briefly this morning, I, I think in both services, but you know, in the agriculture, we understand quickly that you can't rush a harvest. You know, we live in a society where if you order something and you really need it here, what do you do? Well, instead of paying $5.99 shipping, you pay $49 extra dollars and they have it by your, your porch in the morning by 10, right? I mean, like if you're willing to pay it, you, it seems like you can rush anything. Isn't it interesting, the law of sowing and reaping? You don't get to rush that one. And so you graduate with your doctorate. You're real skilled. And you think everybody else ought to know that. And you go into your workplace. And it gets under your skin that the people that have been there for 15, for 25, for 45 years... People seem to listen to what they say. Oh, they need to listen to me. I'm the one that just got the education. I've got the doctor. You know why they're not listening to you? It's called the law of sowing and reaping. You want respect? Plant the seeds that deserve respect and then give it a good long season to grow. And you know what? If you'll continue to plant the right seeds in due time, you will reap the harvest of respect but you can't rush it. We could go on and on, but think about those four things there. Who's going to live by this law? It doesn't matter what person you are. He says a man, and he's not just talking about male there. It's, in other words, anybody, anybody that's going to live by this, what are they going to live by after it's kind? Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. What else are you going to live by? It's going to come later, and it's going to come greater. Let me give you one more illustration on the later and we'll start sewing this all up. Because it is later, we sometimes keep digging a deeper and deeper hole and we don't know how deep we have dug that hole until later and then we regret it. You ever seen someone, maybe yourself, maybe someone you love, and they continually sin, they continually sin, they continually sin. And perhaps you were told, or perhaps you told someone, listen, you need to stop that. And maybe somebody even used the expression, that's going to catch up with you. And if you heard people describe, oh, it doesn't bother me. Well, look, it doesn't bother me at all. My body can take it. Oh, it doesn't bother me. My boss doesn't care. Oh, it doesn't bother me. I can keep control of things. Oh, you can just keep filling in the, the rationalizing is what it is. You just keep filling it in. You know why it doesn't bother you yet? Because you haven't reaped the harvest yet. You're still planting the seeds. You're still in the season of growth. Give it time. 
Oh, I don't know in whatever you're thinking of. I don't know if time is, is a month. I don't know if time is six months. I don't know if time is a year. I've lived long enough to realize there's even some seasons in life that can be measured by decades. But you give it time. And in time, that harvest will come where, where you thought you could just sin and there's not going to be any consequence. You will live long enough or you'll face the Lord on judgment. But either way, either way, you will come to realize that whatever a person sows, that will they also reap. I think about the individuals that I've talked to that have found themselves at a low that was so low that they would say, I can't believe I'm here. I never thought I would ever be here. You see, if, if they got there in, in an immediate type of fashion, they probably wouldn't be there because they would have stopped quickly. The way we get to those lows is we continually do the wrong thing and finally one day the harvest comes and it snowballs and it snows us under and we feel like there's nowhere to look but up. And the good news is the Lord will redeem us. But there's still a lot of sowing and reaping physically that we endure even when the Lord redeems us spiritually. And we don't have time to develop this. We're going to start closing, but I want you to notice those first two lines. He begins there by saying, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. The idea of deception could have two meanings. One would be, are you going to believe a lie? And that could definitely be a part of what he's talking about. But another part of deception is, are you going to be led astray? Like, for example, I, I could start driving and think that wherever I need to go, I'm going to get into Nashville and I'm going to take 65 south. And let's say that that's just not right. So in one sense, you'd say David is deceived. In other words, for whatever reason, I believed a lie because I need to go 65 north, but I start driving 65 south. And I drive an hour. Have you ever done this? this to me, this is the really frustrating. You drive an hour because you know what they might say, right? Then you turn around, you got to do what? You got to drive another hour. And so it's like you've doubled your error there, you know? And so, so finally after an hour, you're like, what have I done? This is not the direction I need to be going. So now not only did you believe a lie, but where are you in your journey? You've been led astray. You are far from where you hoped or intended to be. Are you listening? You try to ignore the law of sowing and reaping. You will be led astray. And so that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, don't be deceived about this. It's a spiritual message. Don't get off the path of righteousness. Believe it. Believe it. You want to sow the right things in your life. Don't be deceived. Don't be led astray. But then finally, don't be thinking that you're going to mock God. Some people that thrive at irresponsibility, they really are convinced that they've got everybody fooled. Well, my parents were gullible. You wouldn't believe all the things I told them and they believed. Well, you know, I work for this boss and I can make him or her believe anything. 
And people like that began to mock those that are in authority. I've proven everybody wrong. I can live how I want to live. I can rationalize it. I can get by with it. It'll never catch up with me. But see, here's the problem. For us as Christians, now we're back to where we started, and this is where we end. We as Christians aren't living our life to try to fool everybody. We as Christians are living our life for God. And you know what Paul says about God? Paul says about God is, God is not mocked. You fooled your parents? I promise you this, you didn't fool God. You fooled your employer? I assure you this, you didn't fool God. You mocked your spouse? You think they don't know? Rest assured, God knows. You're mocking your children and you think they don't know? God does. We can be deceived, but God is never deceived. God will not be mocked. It's simply because He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. That all-knowing and all-powerful God has placed a very consistent law in place. And that law is everybody will reap after its kind later and greater. Don't be deceived and led astray. You're not going to mock God. And the truth is, it's really good news because we have something very consistent to hitch our life to in the will of God. Tonight, if you're not a Christian, we've been thinking for several weeks now, choose God. Could I pull from the important word in this series, responsibility? It's your responsibility. Don't be deceived. Don't think some way you're going to trick God out of salvation. It's your soul. God's grace has been offered. God's mercy is rich. God's love is great. But it's still your call. It's your soul. You decide where you're going to spend eternity. That's your responsibility. If you're ready to be immersed into Christ, I hope you don't put it off. If you're ready to be restored, I hope you'll take responsibility and do that tonight.